Today on the show, we're discussing all of the most important classes in med school. Herbology, immunology, group sex. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. What's which... the final like for that one? <laughs> Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name is Leo. And my name's Abu. Oh, and we are talking today about the six schools of the Dune universe. That's right. Look. Y'all requested this one. It's true. Our patrons voted in a recent poll, and this is the deep dive topic that won out. So here we are. Y'all vote. We do the thing. This is a democracy. (laughs) It's a democracy. Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes we care what the voters say. But before we get too far into the episode, let's make shout out Mapes proud. Yes. Let's take care of our housekeeping. Indeed. So first and foremost... A spoiler warning for today. You are good to go for today's conversation as long as you have read the book or seen Danny Villeneuve's movie. Right. Because we won't be discussing any plot events beyond the first half of the book. Right. So as long as you've even made it halfway through the book or you've seen the movie, you're all set for today. Indeed. Now, the best way is always to support us is to become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash gamjabar. You'll get, in exchange for your support of our show, ad-free episodes, bonus clips, and bloopers. Mm -mm. What? And access to our exclusive Discord, where we hang out and chat sometimes. Wow, sign me up. I'm already in the Discord, but sign me up. Yeah, I think you organized it. We put it together, buddy. Oh. But I will. I will. I'll, I'll send you the invite later. Uh, Great. And of course, we have to thank, as always, our Quisats Hatterack level patrons, Case Aiken, Matthew Good. Yes. Fellas, thank you so much, as always. I'd help you study. For the group sex final. (laughs) (laughs) Is that too far or not far enough? (laughs) We're just trying to find this line, guys. (laughs) The line in the sand. Once we cross it, we'll apologize (laughs) profusely. But until then, thank you so much. Y'all are the best. Indeed. Thank you so much. And a reminder that another great way to support this show is to check out our merchandise at gamjabarshop.com. Mm. We have totes, we have mugs, we have apparel, t-shirts, hoodies. Mm. Check all of it out at gamjabarshop.com. Indeed. And as a friendly reminder, you can email us at any time. Open 24-7. Our email is, and it's gamjabarpodcast at gmail.com. Is that email address? Yes. Hit us up anytime you're episode ideas if we haven't already scratched an itch or comments concerns feedback favorite animals (laughs) and (laughs) we'd love to hear from you whatever it is yes indeed all righty with the housekeeping out of the way here's the game plan for today's episode right we're talking souk schools so naturally we will begin today's episode 
going over the history and founding of said souk school. Right. That initial idea and how it got off the ground. Then we're going to dive deeper than you expect into <laughs> the specific training that goes into creating those top-of-the-line souk school doctors that we know and love from the Dune universe. And then finally, we'll wrap up the discussion by exploring the decline, unfortunately, of the Sioux School, but then also covering how it has managed to survive to this day. Indeed. There's, <laughs> there are twists and turns, but fewer assassinations than I expected, uh, considering <laughs> <Yeah>. this is <laughs> a true, Dune, true. Dune topic. Um, but with all of that out of the way, we're going to take a quick break. Stick around. When we're back, we're going to talk about the foundation of the Souk School of Medicine. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back, folks. Let's dive into our topic for today. And as we stated, begin with the history of the Souk School of Medicine. So our story with the Souk School begins in 2401 AG. Right. The school is actually founded under a different name at the time, but we'll get into that in just a minute. For now, all we need to know is that the purpose of this school was to train, quote, Physicians who could be trusted to attend the imperial family and the families of the great houses, end quote. Right. That is the stated mission of the Souk School and yeah. the whole reason for its founding. Yeah. On the surface, that seems simple enough, right? If you know anything about Dune, that's a very practical purpose. But as with everything in <laughs> Dune, <laughs> yeah. there's a pretty wild story here for the school's origin story and how it got founded. Yeah, there's sort of a requisite assassination attempt whenever we do one of these deep dive episodes. And today's no different. We've got an assassination attempt. But this one may take the cake for scope of vision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because most assassins are like, well, I'm going to kill Jerry or whatever. Boring. <laughs> this assassin was like, I'm going to kill the entire imperial family. Holy shit. I know. Ambition. <laughs> Drive. <Wow>. Like Dwayne <laughs> Johnson's song. He's got power and something. I can't remember the song. You know what I'm talking about. I got you. I got you. <laughs> but let's talk about it. So this is the court physician, the imperial court physician, Sharoni Siliphant, I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. who was the imperial court physician and either tried to for a bit or tried to in kind of one foul swoop kill the entire imperial family. My God. We're not told about Sharoni's or Dr. Siliphant's motives. Yeah. We don't exactly know what she had against the imperial family. But considering what we learn about House Carino... I can imagine maybe just a smaller house vying for power or wasn't treated kindly by the Sardaukar. I don't know. Lots of possibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
big believer in democracy, maybe. Yeah, that's a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dr. Siliphant over here, ready for a revolution. Not the hero democracy wants, but the hero democracy needs. <laughs> <laughs> so Batman Siliphant uh, basically... <laughs> Had two methods of accomplishing democracy. <laughs> no, of killing the family, of killing the entire family. The first method, and I think this is the funniest, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dr. Siliphant would deliberately mistreat <laughs> what the Dune Encyclopedia calls, quote, accidental wounds. Uh huh. <laughs> end quote. And I want to be clear <laughs> the Dune Encyclopedia put quotation marks around the word accidental. <laughs> Amazing. So I'm picturing like, wow, another member of the Imperial family slipped on a banana peel at the top of a staircase? <laughs> That's awful. How are you treating it? With more staircases? This is a terrible doctor. Yeah. <laughs> it's very silly to me. That's so funny. Yeah. Siliphant's second method was perhaps the more effective one. She developed some poisons. She just made up some poisons, concocted some original poisons, and administered them. It's like, here, take your uh, medicine. This is going to cure being alive. It's also going to cure tyranny. Amazing. But she ultimately failed. She didn't wipe out all of House Carino. Hmm. And uh, this is is kind of an ongoing bit with us, but immediately I'm like, this would be a great HBO series. Are you kidding me? Oh, yes. (laughs) Like a political intrigue mini-series where you're following the house physician of an imperial family in Dune, and they're like <laughs> they're home alone tooing like ha- half of the imperial family <laughs> while poisoning the other half, avoiding detection. Incredible. <laughs> it would be so good. That's so funny because you took that in a more comedy direction with Home Alone. Oh, yeah. For me, I was like, this is a very serious, like, Andor style start of a revolution. Oh, Dr. Siliphant has been recruited by some sort of underground rebellion that wants oh, to take, cool. you know. Yeah. And like, it's Dr. <laughs> Siliphant. Like, every episode is just teetering on the this like knife's edge of will the doctor get caught? Can she pull off the next poisoning or the next uh, oh. tripping someone down a set of stairs? Yeah. Like, leading up to the finale episode when all of the plans are going to come together and everyone's going to die all at once. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. And then, and then in the finale, you know, it all falls apart and we're all, we all realize the behemoth that is the Carino empire. You can't just take oh, it down as one doctor that's poisoning cool. random people, you know, like it takes more than one. I don't know. Maybe there's a moral lesson there. Like rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> <laughs> is this just, am I just pitching Andor? He's <laughs> pitching Andor again. And it takes place a long time ago in a galaxy far away. I, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> right, right. Can Diego Luna play Dr. Sharoni Siliphant? I, I think he can. So there you go, HBO. Two very different directions, but equally amazing pitches. Yeah. Do both. For a Dune miniseries. <laughs> release, Do both. Release them in parallel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everyone gets to pick and choose how they're feeling today. Maybe you mix and match the episodes. A funny one. A serious one. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be super cool. Yeah. <laughs> There's our pitch. There's our pitch. So getting back to the topic at hand, (laughs) (laughs) although Dr. Siliphant did fail, her attempt did highlight a serious issue in the Imperium. Powerful people need doctors that they can trust. Right. Because they're all afraid of getting knifed in the back. (laughs) Yeah. So this is where the current emperor, 
Emperor Kenrick J.H. Alcom Carino got to work. He began funding the Imperial Psi Medical College, which was founded in 2401 AG on the planet Chiton, the capital planet of the Imperium. Go IMTC! <laughs> Hell yes. Wait, now, I IMTC. T- wait, ITMC. ITMC. Oh, 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 fuck. <laughs> go uh, Warthogs. Go, go <laughs> Alabaster <laughs> Mole Rats. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. They change up the mascot like every year. It's very hard it's to keep very up. Confu- and the letters. <laughs> I got the letters confused. <laughs> yeah. ITMC. So, the ITMC, the Imperial Psi <laughs> Medical College is actually the name that the Souk School had in 2401 AG. It's not until later that they changed, I guess, both the mascot and the name of the school <laughs> itself. Yeah. The founders were this group of Psy practitioners, and they were physicians trained in, quote, the administration of herbal and other natural remedies, end quote. Yeah, makes a certain sense in the Dune universe. Right. <laughs> like a very naturalistic universe that makes sense that's cool yeah that is very cool i mean these guys aren't doctors like coming up with synthetic new versions of advil to fix your headache right they're (laughs) they're like here's some here's some green tea that'll it'll do the same thing right now these side practitioners were told were exceptionally trained like they were so good at their jobs that they could recognize plants as medicines or poisons so well right that quote one could travel to a strange planet with only his few personal possessions and produce an entire pharmacopoeia from the planet's natural products, end quote. Oh, my God. That's so – that's great. <laughs> that's – yeah. You imagine an imperium of 30,000 planets, right? Uh, yeah. Exactly. So many places. And to be able to say, oh, we're going to send our doctor and they will have all that they need just from the natural planet itself. That's amazing. Yeah. Such a critical skill in a galaxy-spanning empire. Right. Now, additionally, we're told that their training was so good that they could also, quote, recognize pharmaceutical compounds Mm. through simply things like smelling or tasting (laughs) or their other senses. Yeah. Which, if you think about it, was probably the worst class at ITMC. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like imagine the final exam for that one <laughs> you just have like blind taste testing <laughs> poisons and medicines <laughs> and like worms and shit and you're like oh no fear is not a factor for me is this a ghost pepper you find out <laughs> taste it <laughs> that's like how they haze yeah. the undergraduate freshmen they're like oh, oh yeah yep, this is yep, definitely totally. gonna be on the final you need to eat this whole thing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the big takeaway for us here is that the ITMC was pumping out these incredibly talented side practitioners right? that were all in on these natural remedies. They were skilled enough to immediately be able to find poisons and medicines on any planet they went to. Yeah. So already this school was adding value to the empire. Yeah, totally. And- Let's now make our lives a little easier, as much as it's fun to ITC it. mm. Exactly. Uh, Is it fun? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) ITMC. Why are four letters so hard for me? (laughs) It's like, what personality type are you? Oh, yeah. ITMC. (laughs) Uh. 
Let's talk about the name change. Let's talk about the name and mascot change that happened. And this is in honor of a Dr. Faison Souk, doctor to the imperial family during the reign of Corin the Eighth. Count the count the eyes. Corin the Eighth. <laughs> From 2727 to 2756 AG. Mm-hmm. So about 300 years after the school's founding, he was great. And they, in honor of this Psy Medical College graduate, uh, renamed it and sort of branded it around Dr. Faison Suk. So that was the beginning of the Suk School of Medicine officially being called as such. And of course, their mascot which we'll say on the count of three. <laughs> uh-huh. He got it. Okay. Uh, three. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. One, two, three. The Cardinals. Go toucans. C- toucans. Wait, we both went birds. We both went birds. That was as close <laughs> as we've ever gotten. <laughs> I'll take it. Very rainbow colorful toucan cardinal. So it's, it was great. Indeed. And, it was great. And now we can just call it the Souk School, which makes our lives yes, indeed. a little easier. <laughs> it does. Okay, so as we've established, from its very foundation, the Souk School had two primary functions. Right. One was to produce more Psy practitioners, these highly trained physicians. The secondary function is the one we're going to spend quite a bit of time on. Their job was also to develop and deploy imperial conditioning. Right. And for our listeners who have read at least the first half of Dune or watched the movie, that should ring a bell. Right. Because that's an important concept for Souk School doctors. It is important to note that Psy practitioners that came out of this school that were unconditioned were still excellent doctors, right? Right, yeah. Like Souk doctors were not the only good doctors in the empire, these Psy practitioners did an amazing job as well. And I imagine it was particularly useful to go to a Psy practitioner for those families who either couldn't afford a souk doctor, because souk doctors, as we'll come to learn, are very expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or for just your like everyday families who just need like a local family doctor who's good and reliable. You'd probably go to a Psy practitioner instead of uh, ponying up the cash right. for an official souk doctor. Yeah, I imagine you open ZocDoc when you're like on vacation <laughs> on Planet Portrait, and it's right. like right. there are the Psy practitioners. They've got like the, I don't know, the blue check. Wow, <laughs> he's from the souk school. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, exactly. So being a graduate of the souk school still puts you head and shoulders above the average doctor, just to be clear. Yeah. But the thing that really elevated the Sioux School to a critical function of the Imperium was this Imperial conditioning that they developed and then deployed among their most talented graduates. Right. And as we stated, these Sioux doctors were expensive. For these higher paying clients, the Sioux School could provide a Sioux doctor who had this Imperial conditioning. And this caused the doctor to believe that they were, quote, incapable of taking human life, end quote. Right. At its very basic, that's what the conditioning did, is it made the doctor themselves believe they couldn't take a life no matter what. Right. And you can see how that would be extremely valuable to a great house 
baron or the emperor, right? You don't want your doctor capable of uh, assassinating you, tripping you down the stairs on a banana peel. <laughs> right, right. So from what we learn about this conditioning from the Dune Encyclopedia, there are various styles and levels of training. And it's clear that the Souk School went through a few cycles of R&D with the program, right? Yeah, yeah. They didn't hit a home run on the on like V1.0. <laughs> right, right. And as it was developed over the years and as different types of training and levels were created and deployed, there were mixed results. So let's actually talk about it. Let's dive a little deeper on imperial conditioning and what we know from the Dune Encyclopedia because it's really fascinating stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about it. So what is imperial conditioning? Broadly, it is psychological and physical training in self-control, <laughs> basically. Self-control, <laughs> but from the very earliest ages. And this is one of the first kind of hints that this happened in cycles, right? Like, I don't imagine that in 2401, the imperial psychology of medicine was founded and they're like get us some babies <laughs> you know <laughs> right right but on a basic level the conditioning prevents the trained conditioned doctor from willfully taking a life and at the higher levels it could also make the doctor unerringly loyal to their employer Ooh, okay versus just a general you know thou shalt not take life. You know, we teach you how to find all these poisons. Don't use them. <laughs> yeah. Don't yep. do bad things. That's like a general level. And then there was a higher, more developed, absolute loyalty to a house or an employer. And it's noted in the Dune Encyclopedia that most great houses actually were fine with just the general conditioned doctor. Like, not the fancy top shelf, you know, crazy costing loyal doctor. Yeah. They were fine with just the one who would not take human life. And some of these also had, quote, overtones of loyalty to one's employer, whoever it might be, end quote. Okay. So still, like, they could be, like, turned against you. But really, if you're not one of the, like, major players vying for the imperial throne... You're like, ah, it's fine. We'll be friends and that, that'll that be enough. Yeah. I'm not worried about them assassinating me. It, it's, it almost feels like frugality, uh -huh. but maybe kind of intentional frugality. You're, you're getting that imperial conditioning light, so to speak, right? <laughs> it's all of the flavor of the diamond tattoo, but half the calories or, or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's, that's the impression I get. At least. Yeah. And look, the Souk School is creating a product, right? You got to create a product for every level of customer. Right. <laughs> Can't only be selling the highest, most conditioned doctors out there. Psy Practitioner SE with a smaller <laughs> screen and a home button. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I usually go for the Pro Max myself. Right. But... You want the three lenses on your Souk Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so, hilariously, it's at this point that the Dune Encyclopedia heavily suggests that imperial conditioning is just a sales pitch. Yeah. Uh -huh. Quote, imperial conditioning was not so much the creation of a pyretic conscience as it was a triumph of self-deception and public relations. <laughs> End quote. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. The Dune Encyclopedia is highly skeptical. Yeah. Rarely does it get 
so shady, but this is <laughs> hilarious. The amount of shade being thrown Child at imperial of conditioning. Deception. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be fair, the encyclopedia does pull back a little bit and it makes it clear that seemingly the intention behind imperial conditioning wasn't nefarious, right? It wasn't meant to be this giant con against the great houses and the emperor into tricking them into using these souk doctors. Right, right. Quote, no doubt the souk school administration was sincere in their belief in the effectiveness of their training. They too were victims of their own salesmanship. End quote. You know, yeah. So again, the intentions seemingly were good. Yeah, like the Dune Encyclopedia is an in-universe document, right? And well, of course, we'll talk about Dr. Yui and the betrayal and the breaking of the conditioning and all that. We'll talk about it. But it comes down to like, if it works, it works. Like, even this is spinning it like the administrators of this souk school are going, oh, we totally succeeded and 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 painting this picture of them kind of being wrong or ignorant as to like the true nature of what they accomplished. But at the end of the day... <laughs> a great track record, like thousands and thousands of years of doctors who didn't take lives, right. you know, and, you know, I'm kind of, I'm sympathetic. I'm sympathetic to the, uh, to the accomplishments of the souk school, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It It is worth remembering that the Dune Encyclopedia is an in-universe document and a lot of the tone of these quotes is from the perspective of someone who looks back and in hindsight is like, all it takes is one, one or two bad actors for the whole program to seem suspect, you know? Right, right. Yeah, that's a great reminder that the encyclopedia is written as if it were this in-universe document by historians within the universe who have experienced all the events of the stories. Right. All right. So that's a quick overview on imperial conditioning, but... As is always true with the encyclopedia, we get way more detail than we asked for. <laughs> yeah. So let's now hone in even further and actually talk about the school. Yeah. And the training that takes place there. What does it actually take to become one of these high tier imperial conditioned souk doctors? Well, starts with choosing the right baby, basically. <laughs> By the time imperial conditioning was this, like, established thing, they would choose candidates before the age of two. Wow. So they'd, you know, hold the baby at arm's length and go, does it look smart? That looks pretty smart. Let's condition it. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like this program was tolerant of people who maybe didn't meet that initial assessment. Yeah. Like, if you were one of these selected children... You could go through all of the training and through the schooling and all this stuff if you at some point failed the imperial conditioning training. It was fine. They were like, oh, yeah, do you want to stay in the school and become a Tsai practitioner, you know, without the conditioning and just be an excellent doctor for, like, right. the average person? Or do you want to, like, pursue some other career? And I got to say, that's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. Thinking about it like, as a parent, your kid could have this like incredible career and worst case scenario, if they fail out of the program for whatever reason, hey, it's fine. You know, you can do something else. It's cool. 
Yeah. It's not nearly as like culty as I imagine some of the like <laughs> Benny Gesserit training where they're like at the end of it, they're like, are you human or not? And if you're not, you die. <laughs> right. Damn. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of silly, but it feels notable to even mention how lenient this program, at least in these early years, was. Yeah. Because so much of the Dune universe is like, <laughs> you're either in or we kill you. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> and the Zook school yeah. seems like a very normalish school in the sense that you can enroll and you can also unenroll. Right. There's no uh, blood packed human <laughs> sacrifice situation like there seems to be in everywhere else in the Dune universe. In real life medical colleges? I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tired of these blood packs. <laughs> <laughs> so. Once this two-year-old is selected, <laughs> yeah. these lessons in self-control, these lessons in imperial conditioning begin. And one of the earliest lessons is described in the Dune Encyclopedia. And frankly, it sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. Quote, the child had hung around his neck a baklava. I fail. Coated with powder. <laughs> right? Immediately. Coated with, coated with powdered sugar. Oh, I fail. So that even... <laughs> I know, fail twice. Coated with pow powdered sugar so that even a furtive lick could be detected, which he was forbidden to eat until later. End quote. I would fail as a three-year-old. <laughs> I would fail as a 32-year-old. You put a baklava around my neck? It's not even getting on, on my neck. I will eat it out of your hands. <laughs> right, right. With powdered sugar on it? Oh, my mm. God. God. Say less. <laughs> Yum. Now, to be fair, this seems like a pretty straightforward lesson in delayed gratification, right? Yeah. Like impulse control. These are all things that we presumably learned in our childhoods as well. Maybe not with baklava and powdered sugar. <laughs> but every child eventually learns these things right, into right. adulthood, hopefully. Clearly, you maybe have a couple more lessons to go <laughs> when it comes to baklava. Yeah, I, I failed out of that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you can start to see the seeds being planted for, for what will eventually grow into this very intense conditioning that makes them deeply loyal and unable to take life. Here, it begins with these basic lessons very early on in impulse control and in delaying instant gratification. Man, I'm curious about – because there was a marshmallow test – that's pretty famous Yeah, where kids were left with marshmallows. And then they followed up like 15, 16 years later to see where the kids ended up. And it was like spooky how well off the kids with really great impulse control were compared to the kids who had none. Yeah. I'm really curious because this obviously was written in the 80s, right? Right. I'm wondering the timeline of like when that research was happening, when this was written. That's cool. That's fun. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, this could also be a way of weeding out the weaker ones and the stronger ones, right? Yeah. Like maybe this baklava test isn't just an ultimate pass-fail. Maybe it's just a way for the teachers to be like, okay, this dude needs to work on some impulse control. He right, needs some special right. classes. Like it could just be a weeding out of the of the class. Yeah, it's an assessment, right? <laughs> like yeah. if you, like me, chomped it down in one bite and then regretted <laughs> not having any more baklava to eat, <laughs> which is my experience every time I order baklava, then that's, you know, that's that's like a worse fail than a furtive lick, right? The one who's just yes, like wanted exactly. some powdered sugar off the top. Like, that's fun. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Well, lessons from the baklava slowly ramped up. <laughs> Soon it was two baklava. No, uh, <laughs> as the child grew up, 
And so at around five years old, we get a slightly more intense test, right? Quote, the student might come home from a day of work to find that whether he ate or fasted at supper time depended on the roll of a die. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. So first of all, don't invite your sick doctors to play board games with you because they're traumatized (laughs) from age five. They're like, I can't even look at dice anymore. You kidding me? No, that's the worst. Brutal. But basically, just like our kind of speculation around the baklava test, there was a range of possible reactions to this. And this is when they get more into behavior, right? If the student, if this kid reacted to the die exercise, like they roll a one, they don't get to eat that day. If they are complaining, if they're angry, uh, that's punished. That's basically de-incentivized. If they're like, oh, that's kind of funny. All right, you know, whatever. It happens. Or just, I understand, I accept, right? Resignation or humor were rewarded. (laughs) Which, again, could be applied to my friends as we play board games. (laughs) You get shoots like six times in a row can be very disheartening. But, hey, resignation, humor, you'd be a good sook doctor. Just keep that in mind. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you can see already, even early on, around age four or five, this behavior training starting to be implemented. (laughs) This is the way you should act. Right. So we will reward you for it. This is the way we don't want you to act. So you will be punished for it. Also, I I am not so old that the first board game I thought I like, I should think of other board games before shoots and ladders. (laughs) That was a 40 year old move for me. (laughs) Well, according to some of our listeners, you're an old crone. (laughs) (laughs) Shoots and ladders back in my day. day. None of this VR Oculus Rift (laughs) nonsense. With your Catan and your Candyland <laughs> <laughs> and your Technicolor. Ugh, you kids. <laughs> These kids. Now, as the kids in the Souk school continued their training and presumably passed this rolling of the die test as well, right. the lessons would grow increasingly frustrating and annoying. Right, you push them further and further to more of that behavior training. Monitor more of their reactions. Right, right. And it sounds like that it's around this age, when the lessons really begin to ramp up, that many of them begin to fail. And again, as we discussed, the Souk school is not so harsh in its failings that uh, it's life or death. We're told that the salvageable students who still quite didn't pass but did okay were usually dropped down a level to a smaller level of conditioning. Right. That, like, quote-unquote, conditioning light that we joked about earlier. (laughs) Right. That was still valuable because many great houses could afford that and would just want that, the basic level of don't take a life and have hashtag overtones of loyalty. (laughs) Right. Now, of course, there were always complete failures in the program, right? The ones that weren't even salvageable, that just utterly failed the baklava test, that simply ate the die in anger. (laughs) And these students were ultimately dismissed, right? It was like, okay, you're off the imperial conditioning track. You no longer can be conditioned. You don't have the fortitude for it. So your options are to either leave the school and look for a different vocation 
or to drop down to an unconditioned psi practitioner. Right. It can still make you into a pretty good doctor. Again, way more lenient than than most of the <laughs> institutions in Dune. But what happens to the ones who passed? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, they move on to group loyalty lessons. And this is tough. This I feel like this would be <laughs> a very frustrating period of education. The Dune Encyclopedia explains that these students would have courses like sharing. <laughs> okay. Hilarious. In which, quote, for a week, the student was forbidden to feed himself. What the fuck? He depended for his sustenance on others, end quote. Oh, my God. And then <laughs> in another course called Sensory Pleasure. What? The students practiced. I mean, we've all we've all had these classes. The students practiced group sex play. <laughs> uh... You know, you know that part, <laughs> that part of school. Uh, right, right. We, um, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what school you went to. <laughs> Listen, UC Irvine was very forward thinking in its application Holy of <laughs> uh, <laughs> sensory pleasure class. No, 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 no. I, obviously, all jokes. The, yeah, group sex play, part of the Souk Doctor School conditioning. So next time you rewatch Dune and you look at Dr. Yui, just. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just think that. Just think about that. He's an orgy fiend. He's an orgy fiend. <laughs> and it's noted, and I thought this was very nice of the Dune Encyclopedia to give us this extra background. Uh-huh. It's noted that solo sex, aka I guess masturbation, and couple sex, just one-on-one, wasn't explicitly forbidden. Like you could. Oh, good. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever. But were, quote, Subjected to intense and constant ridicule. <laughs> End Holy quote. shit. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, go ahead. Oh, you don't want to be a part of the orgy today? You like have a little stomach ache and you're going to masturbate? You suck. Boo. Everyone boo him. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> wild. This is a college. Wow. This is a university. Wow. You intensely care about this one other person and you want to show love and affection. Uh, boo! Uh, boo! 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 Idiot! Boo! <laughs> Go eat some baklava, dummy. <laughs> I bet he licked the baklava. Oh, no, yeah. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. Like, y- you can imagine some of the like weird bullying that takes place yeah, <laughs> at the school no kidding. because of the culture that's being fostered. And I mean, I guess it makes sense that like you have these adolescent students and you're talking about impulse control. Well, mm, yeah. utilizing the power of like hormones and puberty and the sex drive, like the, the blossoming budding, budding sex drive using that power is definitely ethically fucking murky. Like this is, yeah, Jesus. Very strange. But you got to imagine it's it's pretty powerful. And I'll also point out that as we build up these different lessons, you can start to imagine how this protects a souk doctor against certain ways of subverting them, right? Like yeah. If a <laughs> if like a Benny Jesuit of secret rank tried to seduce a souk doctor to like 
I don't know, get access to the head of the house. The right. sick doctor's thinking about this intense and constant ridicule. <laughs> He's like, I'm Boo. sorry. I only did. Yeah. In his memory. Boo. <laughs> He's like, I can't. I can't. Only orgies for me. <laughs> right. Right. So it's silly. It's very fun and funny to talk about. But also I can see them building up. What are the base impulses of like an adult human? And how do you strengthen the kinks in the chain? so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> the kinks in the sex chain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I will say it's this part of the training where it starts to get more and more culty. Yeah, true. At least this part of the imperial conditioning training. Yeah. Because as these lessons continue and as these students get older and pass their lessons, the Dune Encyclopedia tells us that, quote, Students worked at communal tasks from the earliest age, and the jobs were designed to support the community, to reinforce desirable behavior, and to impart specific knowledge all at once, end quote. Mm, yeah. So again, some of that behavior modification, some of those group dynamics, this loyalty to the group right, over the loyalty to the self or the loyalty to one. An example that the encyclopedia gives is that anatomy lessons actually took place in two locations. One in a loud, smelly slaughterhouse. Right. And another in a very sterile, calm, quiet hospital. Right. And presumably, the purpose of this was to, again, cultivate a certain type of behavior and preference within the students, to train them to work in these calm, clean environments over the stressful, filthy ones to be subjected to both, and to be pushed toward one as a preference. Yeah. I also get, you know, this is, I think this is somewhat related. Mm -hmm. In college, I was part of a choir, and one of the things that the director did, which I always really appreciated, is leading up to a competition or performance in which we didn't know the venue, we would rehearse in, like, very different acoustics. Mm. Right. Like we would find a really dead room and we would find a really live, active, reverberant room. And we would do a lot of that, like just to get ourselves used to variability, like to get ourselves used to adapting quickly to a new set of circumstances. And I see a very similar thing here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The soup doctor is going to be deployed to a family. And we don't know if that family's in the midst of a war. We don't know if they're, you know, really, really well off. They probably are because they have the money. But we read about Duke Leto Atreides overseeing personally raids on House Harkonnen, right? I imagine he probably brought some medical practitioners with him just in case they needed like on-site treatment. Yeah. You're, you might be on the fucking battlefield or you might be in some hairy situations. Even better that you have experience in not like the most kind of sanitized environment right yeah totally totally and i think the lesson is twofold like just how the dune encyclopedia says reinforce desirable behavior and impart knowledge all at once right yeah i think this lesson does both totally it gives them the knowledge to work in both environments if needed and also trains within them a behavior to prefer one over the other to cultivate one over <laughs> right. the other true yeah yeah ah souk school so effective now, we're also told that the students were taught from their earliest years 
to associate pleasure with the families of the imperial and great houses. Uh, and this is where it gets very culty for me. <laughs> right. The Souk school, of course, took this to an extreme. Quote, the nursemaids of the preschoolers were selected for kindness and physical resemblance to the younger members of the imperial household. Huh. All rewards were given in the presence of holograms of the emperor and na-emperor. Candies and presents distributed on festive occasions were labeled from House Weikheiser or from House Afanon and the like. End quote. <laughs> That's... I feel like <laughs> at the point of already being like doing group sex play and shit like that, if I then got employed by someone and they looked just like my teacher, I'd be like, eh, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> very weird. But again, it's it's this like very subtle behavioral psychological conditioning from an early age where you're just like, oh, I get candy from the great houses. The great houses must be great. Yeah. Or, you know, I am rewarded and there's always like weirdly this image of the emperor in the background or something. It kind of <laughs> reminds me of North Korea almost. Yeah, Obviously, that it's true. it's not a one-to-one comparison there. But there's a reason why Kim Jong-un's photo is just like hanging everywhere, right? Right, right. And I'm sure in the more particularly festive occasions where folks are rewarded or fed or whatever, that, that photo is fucking plastered everywhere. So you just create this like intrinsic connection between that photo and this thing that brings you pleasure, this candy, this right, present, this right. whatever. Uh, and, and again, th this is the part where I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, imperial conditioning is very, um, you, you are being trained to join this cult of imperial conditioning. Yeah, it's Pavlovian, right? Like it's- Yeah, it's just, exactly. Yeah. Dr. Silliphant is rolling in her grave. <laughs> I know, oh my God. Rip to a real one. <laughs> All right. So let's take a short breather here before we continue with this training. There's much more to talk about. So after the break, we'll be getting into the final stages of this imperial conditioning. And we'll, of course, be talking about the legacy and the decline of the Souk School of Medicine. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back after a short break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you enjoyed your break. Hope you had some baklava, some group sex. <laughs> Let's oh, hello. <laughs> hello. Let's continue and talk about the additional training that these souk doctors went through. Now, all of these early age lessons meant that by the age of 16, the trainees sincerely believed that they were unable to take a human life. Their lessons then focused more on medical education. Like once they're convinced, yes, I cannot take a life. Cool. Let's make sure you get through these advanced classes. And these classes were in anatomy and physiology, immunology, all of these different studies to make them as effective doctors as possible. Right. 
Now, another part of their training was something called Phi Chi, which is, as the Dude Encyclopedia explains, quote, a form of awareness of one's body resembling the Prana Bindu training of the Bene Gesserit, mm-hmm. although not as extensive, end quote. Wow, cool. Yeah. You can't have Dune without some of this body awareness and this kind of inward focus, something that Frank Herbert puts in most of his institutions in, in Dune. Right. And Faikai taught the Sukh doctors a technique called Harki, which was the ability to stop their hearts and respiratory mechanisms on command, killing themselves wow. instantly. So they didn't need cyanide capsules. They didn't need false tooth. They didn't need any of that. They could just stop their own hearts. And the purpose of this technique was pretty dark. Quote, Thus, the Sukh physician had the means of suicide if pressure to take a life or betray a trust became intolerable. End quote. Wow. Damn. Yeah. So, you know, you're trying to get a Sukh doctor to betray their conditioning via torture, well, they might just end their life and you're out of luck. You've lost your, you know, leverage. Again, dark, heavy, but still, you could see how it would be useful in this imperium that is plans within plans within plans and assassination attempts and doing whatever it takes, right? And as dark as it is, you can imagine that this happened quite a few times in Dune history. Yeah, right? I'm sure. Like it's another failsafe that they're building into this program against the possibilities of what a Sukh doctor might face once they are out and employed by a great house or employed by the emperor doing their job. Right. Even if this conditioning is not like true, you know, psychological conditioning as the Dune Encyclopedia says, and is more of like a great PR campaign, if people believe in the PR, then yeah, there may be Sukh doctors out here being like, I can't take a life, I can't take a life, I can't take a life. I got a harky. You know, I got to use this harky technique. Right, right. Now, continuing with the training, students would dive deeper into their medical education through clinical studies and things like surgery, emergency medicine, brewing herbal remedies. They took more of these classes. And this was then followed up by a three-year internship under an experienced Psy physician who we're told was in almost all cases, a Souk-trained physician. Very rare exceptions here and there, but for the most part, these students would work with fellow graduates of the school that they're attending. Right. And after that, after the internship, after these advanced classes, it's time, Leo. (gasps) It's time for the final exams. Oh, boy. And if you pass those, graduation. You're officially... An imperial conditioned Souk doctor. Da, 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 da. You are a Souk doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Original lyrics written by Leo Wiggins. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Go toucans. Go toucan cardinals. <laughs> toucanidals. So this is where we get to talk about something really cool. Yeah. Because now is when we learn about that iconic forehead diamond tattoo yeah we see it on dr yui in the film we hear about it in the books let's talk about it because the dune encyclopedia gives us 
some really fascinating details to chomp on. So much more than I was expecting. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Classic Dune Encyclopedia. So first, the diamond, right? Why the diamond shape? Well, the four points of the diamond represented the four tenets of the Sukh school of medicine. And these were part of their oath. Quote, I will give loyalty. I will seek knowledge. I will practice healing. I will prolong life. End quote. Wow. Short and to the point. Yeah. Concise, easy to remember as you're being tortured with baklava necklaces <laughs> being placed on you by your twisted mintat <laughs> interrogator. But there's more to the diamond tattoo than that, which is, this is my favorite part. Quote, every tattoo looked alike to the casual observer, but under special microscopes and lights, subtle differences identified each souk physician. End quote. Holy shit. They're QR codes. <laughs> <laughs> casual observers like that's a diamond. You get up close, maybe get your smartphone out, scans uh-huh, it, uh-huh. opens up the, the Facebook account of that souk is crazy. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. <laughs> no, obviously not uh, QR codes, but very, very cool. So these are, it's almost like fingerprints. It's described as yes. being this intricate pattern unique to each souk doctor which also avoided counterfeit souk doctors, right? Yeah. Every one of these graduates had their own unique diamond. It's so cool. And as an added layer of security, each souk doctor was also hypnotically implanted to respond to a unique stimulus. Right. Which is another way to check for fake doctors. Uh, Mm -hmm. Basically, you could whisper pineapple and they would do a certain thing and actually the extra layer of security once outed a fake souk doctor which is kind of fun play laxu were attempting to replace a souk doctor probably with a face dancer right and replicated the diamond tattoo perfectly but wow didn't know about the unique stimulus response oh man i know so they were like pineapple and he was like i what and they're like, oh, <laughs> shit, he's, he's a freak. <laughs> a delicious treat, pineapple? <laughs> Flavored baklava? I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, very cool. I love the, the detail about the unique tattoos, you know? Yeah, and so clever to use it as security, right? Even more fail-safes to make sure that these souk doctors can't be fucked with. Right. You can't just go to your local tattoo parlor and get a diamond on your forehead and walk right into a hospital and start doing surgery. Yeah. It's clear that the administration at the Souk School is very thorough. It's true. You got to give them credit. Now, in addition to these diamond tattoos, the Souk graduates had other identifiers for their skill levels too. We're told in the Dune Encyclopedia that... Second-level physicians would bind their hair in a silver ring, while first-level physicians would bind their hair in a gold ring. Right. So the color of the ring would also show off sort of the skill level of the graduate. To put in perspective, though, how highly trained these graduates are, Yeah. consider the insanely low graduation rates that the Dune Encyclopedia tells us. 
quote, only one or two second level graduates were produced each year. First level graduates arose about every five years. End quote. That's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. So few souk doctors of this caliber were being trained. Silver ring, gold ring, diamond tattoo. To ascend to that level was very unique. And I think it really puts in perspective everything we've been talking about, like this very intricate training program, all of the funding that the school needs from the imperial throne, all of that to produce just one or two level two graduates or just one level one graduate every five years. It explains why they're so expensive, right? Supply and demand, very low supply of the most highly skilled souk doctors. But I'm sure every great house wishes they could have one. It's true. Now, after graduation, these newly minted souk doctors, whether they're kind of the second level of condition or the highest level, would be contracted with great houses or minor houses who could basically afford to hire them, to put them on payroll. And as we've said a couple of times, souk doctors were not cheap. To put the cost in perspective and to give you some more idea of maybe how much they cost, consider this anecdote from the Dune Encyclopedia. Quote, Many of the houses minor, or groups of businessmen, would pool their resources to obtain and share the ministrations of a conditioned souk physician. End quote. Wow. So you had people literally like <laughs> using Groupons to get a souk doctor because <laughs> they couldn't afford to just do it themselves. Right. And houses minor are only that in their political influence. They could be wealthy, but they were so expensive, these souk doctors, that, yeah, people were literally like, you want to go halvesies on a souk doctor? <laughs> yeah, for real. Creating GoFundMes for souk doctors. <laughs> oh, my God. Again, supply and demand. Yeah. So... That is how a souk doctor is created. That's the training, that's the years of hard work that it takes, and that's some of what goes into the imperial conditioning. It's a very comprehensive program, start right. to finish, that starts very early in a trainee's life. But now that we sort of understand that, we understand the intricacies of how a souk doctor is created, let's turn towards the school, because... The school does very well for a very long time, but unfortunately, there are a couple of bumps in the road for them, and the school does begin to decline at one point in its history. Yeah. So we've already gotten some of the skeptical tone from the Dude Encyclopedia, and I suspect that there were skeptics all along. But we get this quote. Quote, the decline of the school began when the myth of unbreakable imperial conditioning exploded, end quote. Oh, no. I know. Well, and even, I don't know, I'm still very on the fence about all this, and we'll talk about it more in another episode. But when it comes to Dr. Ewing betraying House Atreides, obviously this is the most well-known and the most adverse, like the most talked about instance in the Dune universe by a margin. Because this is House Harkin and House Atreides and fucking House Carino. Like, yeah. it's a big deal. These are central players, right? Correct. Yep. But in addition 
to that, there are other instances that were told about in the Dune Encyclopedia of the imperial conditioning failing. Mm-hmm. Now, the Sukh school always had encouraged Sukh doctors to not take wives or not take partners, but they didn't outright forbid it. <laughs> Dr. Yui comes along <laughs> and the Sukh school's like, fuck, okay, uh, listen, no, no partners, no wives, no husbands, no one can't yeah you're not allowed <laughs> uh really dumb really dumb at that point because at this point you're you're slapping a band-aid on a broken leg <laughs> and this obviously didn't stop conditioned physicians from being subverted the final nail in the coffin really was when the Tleilaxu created twisted souk doctors of their own oh no <laughs> those know, bastards i know <laughs> if you've only read the first book or, or if you've uh, only seen the Villeneuve movie, just know the Tleilaxu are always up to fucking sneaky shit and creating twisted souk doctors. It's like Peter DeVry being a twisted mentat. Yep, exactly. Quote, once the support of universal faith was removed, once the doctors themselves realized their vulnerability, they knew both good and evil thereafter. End quote. Wow. So, and this, I think, highlights one of my takeaways from this episode, which is it's almost as important what the Sukh doctors themselves believe. Like, if they believe so strongly that they cannot take a life, that they will stop their own heart before taking a life, I call that unable to take a life, right? Like, (laughs) at a certain point, you're, you're debating tomato, tomato, right? Yeah. But that's why it's so damning. For the Sukh school, that Dr. Yui happened and that these other Sukh doctors were also bent to break their conditioning through leveraging loved ones and, and you know, these different methods. Then, of course, you also have the Tleilaxu going, well, we've got Jozo's over here and it's half the price and uh, <laughs> and we'll also kill your enemies <laughs> if you want them to. And, uh, and minor houses minor are like, wow, cheaper and murderous. That sounds great. Yeah. I've been yeah. eating one of those. So, yeah, that that's really the decline, right? Yeah, it, it really like taints the market of souk doctors, right? Totally. Like the the undying belief in the original product is already fading away, and then the Tleilaxu come in and introduce like a cheaper, shittier, but more deadly product, and then it's like the the whole sort of mirage of the souk school yeah. and the souk doctors is kind of shattered for people. And you're so right that the, as long as the mirage held and as long as the doctors themselves believed it, it effectively worked. And it, and it wasn't until sort of the, the building blocks of that Lego began to chip away and fall apart that people stopped believing in it. I mean, it's also the spreading rumors or talk of the conditioning not being effective would itself negatively impact the efficacy of the souk doctors. Yeah. It's this cascading positive feedback loop of problems for this house of cards that maybe wasn't initially seen as fragile as it clearly was. Totally. Totally. And actually the house of cards is in real trouble at this point because <laughs> one of their biggest funders, the original reason the souk school even came to be, pulls out. Right. The imperial throne pulls its financial support of the Souk school. And it's at this point when they are in dire financial straits that the Souk school is like teetering on the brink of extinction. 
But in, in these dark years, when they're barely keeping the lights on, they're approached by a group of Ming practitioners. Hey. Another player enters the field, and this is where things start to turn around a little bit right. for the Souk School after many years of just barely surviving after that funding is pulled. We're told that the Ming were this rival group that had originally been denied imperial permission to create their own school. But now, in dire straits, it was time for these two enemies to become lovers, Leo. <gasps> Quote, the two groups reached an agreement to join forces to rejuvenate the dying Souk School of Medicine. End quote. I love a comeback story. <laughs> the Ming school's like, y'all also do group sex? <laughs> and the Sioux school's like, do we? Did we just become best friends? <laughs> yup. Should we, should we do group sex together? Oh, it sounds so good. <laughs> it just makes sense. <laughs> it truly does. Uh, all the great group sex aside, though, we're also told in the encyclopedia that this merger was not the smoothest one. Right. Quote, Rivalry between the two had always been great, and it took hard negotiating to work the compromise, with many Psy practitioners refusing to be a part of the merger, end quote. Right, right. So ultimately, the Souk School administration decided they had to make an omelet, and it was okay if they cracked a couple eggs to do so. It meant their survival going into the future, merging with the Ming practitioners was the way the Souk school was going to survive. Yeah. And it, it, it is worth mentioning quickly, just quick background on their rivalry, basically, like the main differences between the philosophies of the Ming practitioners and the Tsai practitioners. As we said, Tsai practitioners are, you know, hashtag organic, hashtag healthy living herbalists, right? Where possible, they're right. using natural herbal remedies and medicines. They've got the acai berries. They've got the granola. Yeah. They've got the yeah. vegan living. They're great. The Ming practitioners, however, quote, rely primarily on the manipulation of the body's musculoskeletal structure and utilization of vital pressure points to mobilize the body's immunological system, end quote. So we have people adding like Take this medicine, use this, you know, have this nutrient, have this amino acid, whatever it is, right? <laughs> like ingest this thing compared to we're going to treat this through pressure points, through understanding the nervous system and through application. You know, I imagine like acupuncture, right? Like that sort of thing. Right. And these are two just philosophies toward the same end goal, right? right. They're, they're both still doctors. The purpose is ultimately still to preserve and prolong life. They're just going about it in two different ways. And they disagree on those ways, basically. Right. But ultimately, the good news here is that the merger of these two philosophies proved to be the saving grace for the Souk School. From the brink of destruction, this brings back the Souk School of Medicine. And at the start, the students were a bit hesitant. You either chose to follow the side track or the Ming track once you got your basic medical education in your first couple of years. Right. There was a clear divide between the two philosophies at the start. 
But over time, the students began to realize that there was actually benefit in learning both. Yeah. Quote, most students at the Souk School of Medicine now opt for this dual training. And for this reason, the school is presently thriving. End quote. Oh, I love it. That's great. And so while Imperial Conditioning is no longer part of the Souk School brand, it sounds like they're still churning out some of the best doctors in the empire, which is amazing. And it's all thanks to these two philosophies coming together and emerging of these two ways of medicine. It's kind of a lovely story. Like it, like that, that's it on the Souk School. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a happy ending, which feels kind of weird given all of the other topics we've covered on this podcast and how the right. Dune universe loves to end on a dire, scary note. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is a sort of a beautiful little bow on the end of the Souk School of Medicine. It's thriving. Yeah, it's also rare that I feel like in a lot of science fiction, we enter into the universe where the big institutions have kind of found their pace. But in this case, the Souk School doesn't really find its balance until holistically they take in the Ming practitioners, which is yeah. like after Dune. It's later. It's later on. Right. So it's kind of fun that we joined this universe where the Souk doctors are imperial conditioned and they all believe the pitch and the pitch is basically maintained. And it's the events of this book that really catalyzes the final evolution of this medical institution. I don't know. There's something cool about us witnessing that building of infrastructure narratively. Yeah. We really jump in at the inflection point of the Souk schools. Right. Yeah. History in <laughs> this, the first Dune book. This whole book's actually about the Souk schools. This is the Souk <laughs> school is the main character. <laughs> well, it's good to know they have a happy ending. Good it for is. them. I'm happy to hear it, honestly. I'm pro Souk school doctors. Yeah, I am too. Especially that baklava test. I want to, I need to go through the baklava <laughs> test. Bring me more baklava. That's <laughs> <is> my goal. <laughs> Man, this kid keeps failing so aggressively. Well, <laughs> let's wrap up this episode, as we often do, with a question. Abu. Yes. You've got a souk doctor, and you're trying to okay. uh, maybe subvert a great house in the Imperium. How are you going to break that souk doctor's conditioning? <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to subvert their training and their conditioning? Mm, great question. After giving this question some thought... I think the obvious go-tos are still abduct their spouse. <laughs> sure. But if that's not an option, for example, if it's an unmarried Souk doctor, I like to fall back on my classic strategy. And uh -huh. this one's pretty surefire as well. Sure. It's perhaps takes a little longer than simple spouse abduction, right. but it definitely works. I like to repeatedly ask my Souk doctor, you mad, bro? <laughs> uh-huh. And... Again, like I said, this tactic requires a bit of work. You right, got to do right. this over multiple doctor's <laughs> visits and you have to continue to answer every question yeah. with, you mad, bro? <laughs> and I, I promise you, this will work. Eventually, the souk doctor will crack. They'll be like, where does it hurt? Tell me. You mad, bro? No, yeah, no, I'm not. But where, where your head hurts? <laughs> Why are, why'd you come in? <laughs> you mad, bro? I'm not. 
I have a job. There are other patients waiting. What do you need help with? How can I help you? You mad, bro. <laughs> it's working. It's you, working. You can see so. how quickly, right? That was only three You instances. almost broke my conditioning. Just then. <laughs> now, imagine that over weeks, over months, over years of doctor's visits, <laughs> just assaulting them with you mad, bro, over and over again. Yeah. I can guarantee that even the most resilient first class top of their line gold ring souk doctors will eventually break <laughs> under this technique right so that's a bit of a pro tip from me to you for anyone who's out there <laughs> looking to break their local souk doctor or honestly your local family doctor yeah your, your local md hit them with the you mad bro <laughs> your podcast hosts yeah co-hosts <laughs> works works anywhere anywhere you want it, yeah. it's a very applicable <laughs> technique so that that's my go-to that's the one that i would break a souk doctor's conditioning with yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so silly i am curious to hear your answer to this question how would you break the imperial conditioning of your personal souk doctor oh sure uh so okay um the the sort of serious answer is now that i know that their personal belief about their conditioning is almost as important as any other element of their training I would just manipulate the situation like I would work with my mentat to create a situation that the souk doctor thinks is a no survival situation. Like the person I'm trying to get at is guaranteed dead so that I can leverage them to like give them a painless end or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like yeah. once the doctor believes the person's already dead effectively, maybe then they would be much easier to leverage into killing them themselves, right? To yeah. save them some torturous end or something like that. But yeah, maybe that's too much work. So alternatively, you know, I was thinking, I was racking my brain and I think a very effective method, it's working really well these days in 2022. So I think this might work. What you do is you fake a diamond tattoo and it doesn't have to work close up. It just has to, you know, work at a distance and then you make a very, very funny video of yourself, uh -huh, uh -huh. like breaking your own conditioning. And you're like, oh, it's so funny. Whoa, it's so much fun breaking my condition. And then you post it on TikTok and oh, you shit. make a hashtag no conditioning challenge or you make like a <laughs> hashtag break that, break that conditioning like you break that back or whatever condition, you know, you make a challenge <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and once it's viral, once it's a trend, you know, we see people destroying their schools and like doing a, eating Tide Pods as trends. I think there's a power in viral trends. So I think you make a trend as a fake souk doctor breaking oh, your conditioning. Shit. And then uh -huh. it's just a matter of time, baby. It's just a matter of time until that souk doctor that I'm trying to break sees the trend and goes, oh, man, that that looks fun. That looks like a good time. And I don't know what element of like the Holtzman effect powers the fear of missing out. You know, that FOMO field. <laughs> but I, can, I think we can all, all agree that it's a powerful force. Indeed. And, uh, you, you just lightly shame souk doctors. Oh, you haven't done that? Tri oh, okay. I don't It just would be funny if you did. It'd show that you're like cool if you did, but you didn't? You didn't do it yet? Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. The power of FOMO to break the conditioning. I think that's another surefire way to do it. I'm a millennial, but I'm trying to harness TikTok for its true capabilities, all right? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you love to hear and it. You set it to, to a Doja Cat song. You just break the conditioning <laughs> on the beat. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic. So help spread the word of Mwadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the golden path. Well, lessons very quickly. No, wait. I don't know how I looked at the words slowly and was like, you know how I should say that? <laughs> Immediate so quickly. God, it was fast. That's how you say slow, right? <laughs> uh <laughs>